For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 706 on today's entrepreneur welcome to the program about uh, the entrepreneurial spirit that drives quebec business my name is dan delmar along with fuller landau's josh miller hey josh hello how are you this week a little tired great great it's tax season's done mm -hmm. nice little escape to vegas we can't really talk about much of that here but uh, feeling great thank you excellent uh before we get to our guest for the evening i want to mention this quick update from um a uh, a profile we did just a few weeks ago here on today's entrepreneur, Mitch Droll from Twist Image. Uh, he made the news uh, this week. His company, Twist Image, based right here in Montreal, it's a digital marketing agency. Uh, they were acquired by WPP, a, a, a huge multinational in the communications uh, industry, talent agency, uh, marketing, the whole nine yards. Uh, so, th so that's pretty interesting. A, uh, a local boy makes it big on the international stage. And, you know, when entrepreneurs start into business, there's a lot of them that, you know, kind of get in and that, and they want to keep going and running. But there's a lot of them that are very intelligent that really the goal is not to keep it, grow it, and pass it. The goal is to build it and sell it, do something else and build it and sell it. And uh, Mitch, you know, was one of the partners. and We had a, gr a great interview with him here. I guess they realized that, A, uh, one, it's time to maybe move on and B is I guess when you hit a certain point there's a consolidation factor that factor that comes into play and to grow to the next level it's either you got to grow organically you have to acquire or merge uh, and that's that's ultimately what they what they decided to do they were pretty large to begin with so it's, it's either acquiring keep eating up small companies but then do you really get the reach they want so I'm sure it was a lot of strategizing it's it's certainly never easy when you're merging or getting acquired uh, with a privately held business let alone a public company that I'm sure has to run through uh, the entire process and jump through all the hoops to get there so congrats to him and his partners and twist image and I'm sure they're going to continue to do great things. And it was it was fun to have them on the show. It was, and a new chapter for Twist Image. And you can hear the uh, the full uh, show uh, at flmontreal.com, uh, where you find in the media section there, uh, where you can find the old episodes of Today's Entrepreneur, all five seasons, by the way. And now let's get to our guest for this evening. Maybe he'll, he'll be the next uh, multinational success story. Uh, and uh, we welcome the founder of, of White Book, uh, Thomas Schitterts. Schitterts. I'm sorry. Sickdish. Sickdish. Okay. The, the the pronunciation is uh, is not my strong suit, Thomas. Nice to meet you. Thanks, thanks for coming <laughs> in. Can you pronounce that one more time for Sikdesh, me? Sikdesh. Thomas Sikdesh. Sikdesh. Okay. That's right. Uh, tell us about, uh, about what you do and about White Book. Well, White Book, uh, W-I-P-E Book, is the uh, first ever um, erasable whiteboard notebook. We developed it uh, 12 months ago in an entrepreneurship class in, at the Univers University of Ottawa. And um, essentially, it's a two-pronged writing medium. You can use it as a semi-permanent notebook, or you can use it as a portable whiteboard on the go. Now, it, it's, it sounds like such a simple topic, and I know whenever you're starting out in business, uh, you know, it's great to, when you have a simple, I guess, product, it's easy to make, but there's still a lot of detail that goes into it. Uh, and before you even get started, you've got to make sure that there's money on the table so you can actually produce it. And one of the areas that, that certainly I think everybody's going to find most interesting is how you raised your funds to start this business. And maybe you can explain a little bit what it is and how you went about definitely yeah so our our product is a simple product uh, it did take a lot of time to develop but um the way we came about is we were in an entrepreneurship class we had this idea this concept we worked on it 
um, sold a couple here and there, um, developed the prototype, and then, as you said, we needed to raise some funds to actually scale it up and see if it if it would work um, in a large scale basis. And so we kind of turned to crowdfunding on Kickstarter, put the project online, uh, wanted to raise four thousand dollars initially in pre-sales. So essentially, you uh, show the concept, put a quick video up, some pictures, and people will. Buy the you can one version of the crowdfunding um, method is you people can buy them in advance and then you develop the product and send them send send it out. So maybe maybe we should explain a little bit what crowdfunding is. That's uh, right. a, li- a little more specifically because not everybody. I mean, it's a fairly new concept in raising funds. Maybe you can explain exactly what crowdfunding is to the listeners. That, that's a good point. So anybody, an, an artist, um, a developer, a um, an engineer, can put their idea online in the on these. There's there's certain crowd um, funding, crowdsourcing websites such as Kickstarter or Indiegogo, where you post your idea. These um, it could be an artist or a filmmaker who says, "I want to make this film. I need X amount of money." And people can either pledge, donate to these people, or uh, or basically purchase what they're offering in advance. So it, it enables people to chip in all over the world for peop- for for certain projects or or endeavors. Now, again, why would somebody want to donate money to get into a product or service that doesn't exist? Well, that's a really very good question. The main reason behind people's intent uh, using Kickstarter, Indiegogo, or any other crowdsourcing uh, um, method is they feel part of the project. So they're instead of going to a store and buying a product that already exists, you go through the whole um, whole life cycle of starting a business from scratch or starting a project from scratch and then seeing the end result. So people will pledge um, people will pledge money at the beginning and then say, hey, I'm, I'm part of this uh, this experience, this building business, building a project, building a movie, building whatever with the entrepreneur or with the artist. So that's kind of where they see the value added and that's why people, and it's this new movement that's starting. I think that's a real added value. Tell me about the conversations that happened before you decided to go uh, the Kickstarter route. Uh, did you did you talk about uh, financing in other ways, or was it really sort of driven by Kickstarter? Yeah, so we had the idea was cool, the prototype was cool. People, uh, we we had client validation, client traction. People, we knew that it was an interesting product that people would buy. The issue here was how do we get enough people to buy this product or the white book um, in order for us to be able to get a momentum and to produce it on a day to day basis. Um, so, so we kind of looked at at um, the online crowdsourcing um, option as saying, "Hey, we can post this cool concept, this cool product, and we can actually validate this idea that we these assumptions that we have. And if we hit our goal, which our, our target goal is four thousand um, dollars, we actually raised way more than that. But if we hit that goal, then we say, "Hey, we can actually keep going and with that money reinvest it and keep growing." Did you feel you had to offer, I mean, other than the, the uniqueness of your product, did you feel you had to give away anything or what was what was your kind of your enticement for, for people to, to come in? The main, I think the biggest uh, reason we were successful, so like as, as I said, we, we wanted to raise $4,000 in pre-sales and we sold over 420000 uh, in 30 days. So that was kind of a big hit. Um, the the main thing that I think people were attracted by was our, our transparent nature. We were three engineers uh, with an idea. They knew um, they knew what the product was about. They knew that it was doable. They knew that we had the skills to do it. Um, and um, I think that for them, it was being part of this part of this trip. Part of the, at the beginning, the people that uh, funded or helped fund us the sales were interested by the idea and then once you kind of get this momentum rolling where you're on you're in the paper and people are blogging about you then it's it's kind of a fun trip where people want to 
um, people want to get rewarded for being part of this uh, initial experience. What is it? Was it a long process from the time you kind of decided to go down that route and and make your your video or your or your kind of pitch? It was it was pretty simple actually. We since we weren't expecting such a huge success, we we put together a quick video. We put together that that page. Um, it, it, Again, it was very simple. Our product is a very simple note-taking tool. It's 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 a it's a it's basically a regular notebook with the whiteboard format in a whiteboard. Uh, sorry, a, a whiteboard in a in a notebook format. So it's um, it's a simple tool. It's a simple project to understand, um, and that's kind of how we wanted to imp implement our, our our Kickstarter, our crowdfunding page, is to make it simple, understandable, and I think that's what got people people hooked. So we're talking about crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, you know, through Kickstarter was the was the software, the company that, that used to do it. And I, we'll try a little experiment. We're going to throw uh, on our Fuller Landau Facebook page a question that, that maybe people can answer and we'll, we'll kind of get their thoughts along the way. The, the, the Facebook uh, page is Fuller Landau, is, uh, excuse me, facebook.com slash Fuller Landau MTL. And the question is, do you think crowdsource funding has the potential of overtaking traditional financing options and why? Uh, kind of interested to hear what you have to say, so please do go on to to our Facebook page uh, again, facebook.com slash MTL, and uh, let us know what you think. All right, we'll get your comments in a bit. Thomas Sikdesh of White Book is our guest this evening. Thomas, apologies again for uh, no worries for trampling on your <laughs> name there. Often. Uh, more with Thomas in just a second. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 720 on CJD 800. Today's entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. And Thomas Sikdesh from Whitebook is our guest, our profile uh, this evening. And uh, it's a really interesting product. It's a, it's a notepad, well, notebook essentially, that uh, there's like a whiteboard that you can carry around with you. Uh, you write in it, erase it right away. A very cool idea. Um, and uh, you're going to get some national attention coming up soon on uh, a very popular reality TV show. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's right. We filmed uh, just over a month ago. We went on Dragon's Den and then made um, basically filmed a, an episode on there, um, and it was a great experience, very cool, very fun, um, and we're really really pumped about that. Was it scary? Super scary, yeah. It was it was just as scary as you as the the TV show makes it. Um, obviously, you, have the, you don't have the background music and everything, but it's 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 dead silent, and then they, you just get just get. Um, it's an it's an intimidating very intimid room. To very be intimidating, in. yeah. And, it, and they actually make it. I think this season they made it even more intimidating. They're telling us that they put all these props and all these things to to make it even scarier once you walk in. So, so do they? And I know you're you're limited what you can say. So just about the experience, how much do you have to? think on your feet how much preparation did you do before you walked in lots that's a very good question a lot of people ask me that it's we we prepared for about a couple of weeks uh beforehand we we made sure we knew you have to know everything in terms mm -hmm. of your own company and even external companies and the whole landscape of what you're trying to do um because they will grill you and they have they grill you on everything um from from finances to uh, marketing to competitors to uh, drawbacks of your product or your service. So it's you have to be really, really prepared and quick on your feet because they're not afraid to, to pounce. No, I, I, I'm sure not. And uh, Great experience. We look forward whenever it comes yeah. out uh, yeah. on air. We definitely look forward. But, you know, from a financing aspect, you know, as, as you mentioned before, we we're talking about Kickstarter. As the name so aptly says, and you kind of mentioned this off air, off air, it's kickstarting your business, but you can't ignore the financing and the cash flow afterwards. That's right. That's right. It's it really is. So crowdsourcing really is that that first jolt that you need to kind of get every that momentum going. And um, once you're once you're off and you've got 
the cash flows coming in, the suppliers that need to get paid, and all, all this stuff combined, um, you're kind of running on your own, right? So Kickstarter is 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 a start, and then you you really want to try to hopefully access a second level of, of of financing, whether it's with within yourself or with with a part of somebody else. Did you have to kind of teach yourself cash management, you know, uh, kind of <laughs> budgeting and make sure, you know, whatever came in can't go out the door in the first month. You got to kind of think ahead. Definitely. Yeah. When you're when you're growing so quickly and when you're when you're put into such a, a, a quick mode of, of reaction with a lot of sales at, at the same time. And it, it is difficult. You, you learn as you go. Um, what's cool, too, is I'm, I'm doing my MBA right now at the HEC Business School. So that's that that definitely helped a lot in, in preparing for this for this huge event and um, and for all the traction we're getting now. But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot. You learn as you go. So that's 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 the the biggest thing that I that I that I can say. Well, one of the questions we'll come back with after the break is where did this idea come from? And you're working with a couple of buddies, so uh, kind of how you guys are getting along and how you're sharing the workload, so to speak. Thomas Sikdesh, our guest of White Book on today's Entrepreneur 722. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 725 on today's Entrepreneur. Welcome back. Thomas Sikdesh of Wipe Book is our guest this evening. And uh, Josh, very interesting um, uh, story. A uh, young Montrealer, uh, still in business school, comes up with a brilliant product. And uh, it's a, practically a, an overnight success story because of Kickstarter. Thomas, I'm just wondering, uh, when we talk about startups in Montreal, it's, it's very tech heavy here in Montreal. How do, how do people reacting to you? Uh, given that you have an actual product that people can hold in their hands, it is, it is really, and that's it's a fun, it's a fun interaction because people expect, uh, especially with the word wipe book, they expect it to be techy or gadgety, and uh, the the truth is we're we're kind of going against that, we're going to the simple um, tactile uh, option, and it, it, whichever way you look at it, it is a startup. Startup, we have the same challenges as 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 the tech startups do, and I think it's you'll see that more and more now. A lot of people think of startups as only tech, but I think there's a lot of different industries where startups are are starting to, to emerge. So. Where did the idea come from? I mean, is it, you know, this is something I, we kind of asked at the beginning of the of the hour, although, you know, so interested in the crowd crowdfunding, crowdsourcing. But so where did this idea jump out from, especially in such a tech world where everybody is basically thumbing their way through their notes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we 12 months ago, 13 months ago now, we were at a, in an entrepreneurship class and we had to uh, get together in teams. And um, I'm I'm an engineer, and I've joined. It was an MBA entrepreneurship kind of class where I paired up with two other engineers. We had to come up with a concept and develop client traction. So just get feedback about a concept that could work um, as a as a as a business. Um, one of my partners, he said, "Hey, I got this. I had this idea. This kind of thing that was stirring around. Um, what if we kind of make this erasable? What if we kind of make a whiteboard note notebook?" And so we looked into it, started playing around, made a prototype, didn't work too well, said, okay, but maybe we could play around with some more and make it even better. Um, and so we had that initial concept, and we each knew that, that that concept, even though it wasn't refined yet, had some way to go and some traction to actually to hit a, a final product that was usable. Um, we worked for about six, seven months part-time. Yeah, my partners went back to work. Um, I started my MBA. And we kind of we got to November where we put it on Kickstarter, and then that's when when things really took off. You're you're three of you, right? We're three partners. That's right. Are you all on the same page? I mean, it's still pretty new for everybody. You guys haven't, you know, you don't have this uh, thirty year working history. It is, yeah. Uh, how did you function, or how do you function together? Right now, uh, I'm 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 man in the Montreal kind of side. They're both from Ottawa, um, so it, it is it is difficult. We do have our challenges working remotely. We do travel a lot, so I go to Ottawa, they go to Montreal, and you have to 
try to make it as best as possible. Um, as you said, we haven't been working for 30 years together. It's been 12 months. So mm -hmm. it's everything has been on high gear, uh, moving and changing very quickly. Um, so you have to be able to communicate very well, and we've had our, you know, we've had our challenges to do with that as well. Uh, it, it's it comes down to communication and trying to get everybody's interests aligned and and moving forward. Do you complement each other as far as your skills go, or you really overlap far too much? Definitely, no. One of the strengths that we got, one of the reasons we got to where we're at, is because we complement each other very, very well. Um, the one engineer is a patent officer. Um, his name is Toby. He he works more more of, more of the product specs, product development. Um, and also knows all the legal aspects of, of protecting your idea. Um, the other is Frank Bouchard, who works at the University of Ottawa, and he he kind of has this whole fun. He he works at a youth, as a youth coordinator director there, so he has this whole fun aspect to him. And he's he's the one that's been doodling on our on our web on our website. Um, so he's got this very artistic feel to it, and, I, and I'm I guess more of the, uh, the on the business side of things, trying to develop and sell and sell and market this this thing. So um, and and you know that's that's something we're going to come when we come back from the break. It's all you know sales and marketing. It's a a huge aspect, certainly Definitely. with a new product. Uh, but uh, I don't want to forget about this crowdsource funding because it's so new and so great. And uh, for those that didn't hear earlier, uh, we actually have a question on our Fuller Landau Facebook page. So if you go to facebook.com slash Fuller Landau MTL, uh, go take a look and answer the question about what you think about crowdsource funding and its potential in the Montreal or international marketplace. And uh, Thomas Sikdesh joins us after the break of White Book. Uh, more with Thomas in a moment. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.35, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. And Josh, uh, we're talking about uh, something that we don't see very often on this program, a startup that is making a actual tangible product manufactured here in Montreal and it's it's white book and uh, Thomas Sikdesh is here with us uh, from white book and uh, they had a very interesting story they started out of course uh, crowdfunding uh, from Kickstarter and became a, a success rather quickly and uh, it's interesting uh, like I said to, to, to note that uh, this product is made right here in Montreal it seems almost counterintuitive at this point and uh, really looking forward to hear you know how a few engineers that kind of figured out this product got into manufacturing if they're doing it themselves or they're outsourcing but uh, before we get there, just to, you know, thanks for, for a few people for responding to our question. And just to give a little feedback before we move on, uh, we, you know, we got kind of the, it's interesting and it's a great idea and it's a good start, but will it ever really take over? I don't think so. Uh, you know, James writes, doubt it. Even if a million people gave me a couple of bucks to make something, backing from a massive company, corporation, or bank would still give me more. So, the, you know, I, I guess it's as, as certainly as Thomas pointed out earlier, it's a kickstart. It's just to get you started. And beyond that, it's really something that, uh, that we'll have to get going. So now that we're kind of back into this product and where did it come from, how is it made and how did how does a, a few students figure out, hey, there's a manu manufacturing process, okay, you're engineers, but do you go at it on your own? Do you outsource it? Where's the thought process behind that? It, it actually is really interesting because at the beginning, we we wanted to know how, how the process works. How do you how do you make um, a is there other can you do you just need to laminate pages? Are there other ways of glossing pages? How would you make a first of all a whiteboard and then how would you make a sheet that's that resembles a whiteboard feeling? Um, so we, we initially started prototyping it. We started uh, Frank's 
uh, one of my partners started he the idea came with the acetate sheets just kind of um regular mm -hmm. trying to jot stuff down with a with a um, with a, with a marker then we kind of um, brought on a local print shop in uh, in Ottawa to do some tests, uh, develop a, hey, we want to laminate and we want this feel for, for our pages. And he kind of did a couple tests and we went back to him and developed it grassroots. Um, once we got a workable prototype that worked to, I'd say, probably 50 to 60%, um, we started selling it and we, actually, we got client feedback that actually made us develop it even further. Um, and then at the point where we got to the Kickstarter point, we knew the way we wanted to gloss the sheet, so we didn't want to laminate uh, the sheets anymore. The whole point is to save paper as well and to, to, to be able to reuse a notebook. Um, so the sheets are actually glossed with a UV uh, protection um, in a certain specific way that makes it reusable and uh, eco-friendly. So very important, your product is patented. It, it's pen pen. Yeah, we we got, we added. Uh, yeah, that's right. We got that in in December, uh, so we're, we're we're very well protected. What's very cool again? You mentioned complementary complementary skills. Um, one of our um, part one of my partners is is a specialist in this kind of stuff, and so he he made sure that we were very well protected and our intellectual property was was safe. Um, so the, so that's we're, we're safe on that end, and um, and yeah, then we it was just about making sure that we developed the manufacturing process. Um, was it difficult to find that supplier that you're outsourcing to? Did you look around? Did you have to develop a whole contract? I mean, if you have a patent pending product, I mean, you don't want to get screwed by somebody. You want, you kind of need to know that you can work with them and, That's right. and that they're somewhat trustworthy. That's right. Yeah, we did. I did. We did a whole um, a whole supplier landscape. Um, we we picked a couple. We we made some calls. We made sure to find somebody who fits with our company kind of uh, vision. So this person, this this supplier is. Um, their, their factory is eco-friendly. Um, they recycle their chemicals. The chemicals themselves are biodegradable and, and eco-friendly. So we, there was some, um, you definitely need to research and, and make sure you pick the right supplier. However, at some point also, you just have to go out there and go and start mm -hmm. start testing and start producing this stuff. So we, it was, I'd say within a couple of weeks, we made sure that we have this, that the supplier that we want, and then we started on the ground, on the field testing. Now, the, the manufacturing process, which, you know, is certainly part of it, but people got to know your product exists. So That's you right. have the Kickstarter that certainly got a good, uh, a, a nice start to getting people to know your product. But from a marketing aspect, I mean, if, if people don't know you're out there, then you're no, not, no. you're not selling a exactly. thing. Exactly. No, you can a, make all the white book you want. That's uh, a very good point. That's a really good point. It, you have to keep the momentum going and, and invest in marketing. That's a really, really good point. We decided to, because we had this, this success with Kickstarter and because our, our, we have a, a great grassroots story behind it, an entrepreneurial story from students that started this, this campaign, this, this product. And because it's a simple and understandable product, it's a little bit of a viral product itself. You just need to show it pe to people and they understand it immediately. Mm -hmm. So we went with kind of a more of a buzz marketing kind of approach. We uh, tried to show this to as many people as we can, um, create events around around the white book, uh, whether that's at schools or or at um, or or wherever you might think of of of, having, of hosting events. And um, and we had we had blogs post about it. We had um, obviously articles that kind of resulted from our success. We we really got, went into these jolts of of buzz marketing and and grassroots marketing. And then we now we're actually transitioning into more. Um, we we want to invest in more regular marketing and. and 
and that kind of stuff. What markets are you focusing on? Are you sticking to Montreal, Canada, or are really around the world? We oh, we sell fifty percent of of our of our sales come from the U.S. So um, I'd say fifty percent. We we the U.S. market is huge. Obviously, in Canada. We're looking at probably twenty five twenty eight to twenty five percent of our of our sales, and then we had um, quite a few international sales as well. So we we don't see it geographically, but more as um, the education market, for instance, universities. Um, bookstores, independent bookstores, um, and higher-end um, stationary retail stores such as Renaud Bray, Omer Dessert, or, um, or uh, Chapters. That Those are going to be our next kind of targets to, to try to get in, in that first layer of retail. Um, that's that's the way we're approaching it. And also, one of our, uh, we've had many clients in the corporate world, the CSR uh, initiatives where they want to save um, on their, you know, wasting paper, using so much paper. The eco-friendly trend. Um, the BDC published a report not too long ago how, uh, explaining how Canadians and I think 90% of Canadians um, enjoy support uh, supporting um, companies that produce that have an eco-friendly or socially responsible mission as well. So that's kind of where we're um, where we're getting some results. Um, companies, consulting companies. Um, all sorts of companies will tend to, to buy these in bulk in order to a promote eco friendliness and b save on paper. We're we're talking with Thomas Sikdesh of uh, White Book, and he's he's one of a few partners, and they developed this this phenomenal uh, low tech. Uh, that's right. Low tech device uh, and product that that's absolutely phenomenal. Do you you mentioned you outsourced your your manufacturing? What about your marketing? Do you do you outsource that, or you guys kind of you dabble in it a little bit? How much do you do yourself versus? As of right now, because the marketing scene is changing, it's you, you, the online scene is actually very young. So these you you mentioned actually Mitch Joel, um, he's got this this the, the, the very very modern and hip um, advertising company marketing company where. Because I've, I'm doing my MBA and a couple of we have a couple of people that we brought on that are also doing their MBA to help us out with the marketing and, and sales and advertising, we're doing it in house for right now. Um, we're obviously going to are looking to to seeing if that's going to be the way we want to continue. But I think we have such a cool story behind it, and, and we're able to to, sh to demonstrate this pretty well in our videos and our posts, and we're getting a lot of traction online. That I think we're doing a great job right right now, and that's where, that's the direction we're going to keep going. And is there is there a next like how far in advance do you think you developed this product? You're fairly new. Are you already thinking about the next step and the next type of product and Definitely. and kind of color scheme and sizes and yeah yeah and, and ancillary products? Definitely, that's kind of what we have. We've it's, we've had discussions about this the past couple of weeks. We we're creating uh, trying to create an ecosystem. So not just one product, but different versions. So we're coming out with the White Book Mini. Um, we're gonna have different. Um, color uh, color covers so it's it's we're, we're really trying to create this erasable portable low-tech medium that you, you can complement with all sorts of things and that that's kind of what we're trying to develop in our with our company right now and uh, the three of you from a vision standpoint did you prepare a business plan initially this is what's the best part of this whole this whole entrepreneurial endeavor is we started with the concept that we don't want to start with a 20-page document that that hasn't even been proven we wanted to get traction we wanted to get feedback from people, see what works, and quickly iterate, quickly pivot our product in order to say, hey, this is something we could work with, and then we could create a business plan around it. Then we can say, we know that 100 people like this product, 60 people out of 100 
are from the corporate world that like this product and for the rest of the 40 are from education. So our goal was to create that traction, create that demand, and then base a business model around it, base a business canvas around it. Um, and that's what we've been doing now. It's when you're, when you're at a point where you're talking with the dragons, when you're um, talking, when you've we've spoken to other investors before that, you need to have a sense of direction. You need to have a strategy and a vision. Um, but I think the new paradigm is shifting where you're, you have to get traction. You have to get results quickly, and then you build a business plan around so it. So you're kind of working a little bit back. You are, yeah, we are definitely. That's the way of seeing it. Definitely. Excellent. Well, when we come back from the break, Dan, we're gonna, you know, with startup company that uh, that Thomas is talking about with White Book, we're gonna talk about what are the five most popular gaffes that startups do. What kind of mistakes do they make and have to get fixed after? We'll talk about that when we come back after the break. Some helpful tips from Lauren Brotman from Fuller Landau on the way. Thomas Sikdesh of White Book, our guest on today's Entrepreneur. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered accountants, and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.50 on today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you, and Thomas Sikdesh of White Book is our profile this evening. We also bring into the conversation Lauren Brotman from Fuller Landau, and uh, Lauren's going to help us out with uh, the top five tips for uh, for startups, uh, particularly when it comes to accounting and some of the gaffes that can result uh, I'm and, quite familiar with some of these gaps. I look forward to them. And there, they, you know, there are plenty out there. You know, some are engineers, and some could be radio hosts. But you certainly can't <laughs> be an expert in everything. Uh, so there's some things that people just don't do so well or don't think of. So kind of turn to Lauren, and and maybe he can go through them one by one. What are what are those uh, those top five gaps that uh, the startup entrepreneurs make, yeah, and then come to you afterwards? Like again, like Dan mentioned, from an accountant's point of view, so. Um, the main thing that when they first come in is setting up the structure of their business properly. Very often they'll have come in after the fact and they haven't set up the proper structure. Um, two main choices, registering a business, meaning reporting everything personally or setting up a corporation. So I've had people that have come in with a registered business, probably should have incorporated. People that have incorporated probably wasn't really necessary. And then to actually fix things up after and do different things, I mean, that can be sometimes you leave them alone, sometimes you're forced to fix them. So without knowing it, they've, they've entered into that, those pitfalls of not setting up their business properly. Guess number two is just the basic bookkeeping for a business. Um, they've come in after the fact, business has been running for a while either figure that they can take care of the bookkeeping on their own, they have a family member helping it out, they have a buddy saying, I can take care of that for you. And then you come in and you see that basically everything is a mess. And very often it's, and we actually just ran into it recently, very often it takes more time and money and effort to undo fix than to just say, you know what, just give me everything and we're going to start all over from scratch because it's easier to just do it that way and, less, and, and we'll take t less time to do it that way. Like maybe they mix up their balance sheet and income statement. And exactly. Putting, you know... It's little things that when we see certain things that could have been very easy to set things up, you know, the, the bottom line for any business is you want to see how you're doing, you know, what the operations are. Are you making money or not making money? Where are you spending too much? Where are you not spending too much? So if they're taking care of their bookkeeping and they're allocating things to the wrong places and not being consistent with certain things, sounds like something very simple, but the end result is when you look at everything and you really don't know your business. And the bottom line, I'm sure Thomas can agree, is knowing what your business is. Where can I do better? Where am I spending too much? Where can I generate more? Where can I cut a little bit? And we see that very often. 
And to take it even a step further with some of the bookkeeping problems, it's not only for your internal purposes. We have to remember we're reporting to the government all the time. So you have to make sure things are put in the right place and you're entering things properly there to avoid some of the problems later. Thomas, you, your partners, you, you're in Ottawa and you're in Montreal. Do you share information like the numbers or anything, even though you're still fairly new? Yeah, well, I, that's a very good point. We just had a discussion this past week. We we set up our, 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 our bookkeeping methodology and, and well, we set that up a while back, but we're transferring now to online um, so we can act, everybody can access them remotely. Mm -hmm. um, we initially had a desktop where we had uh, we, we would bookkeep all that stuff. And then we, so the goal, as you're saying, you want to know where your money's coming, where your money's going, and that's one way to keep track is to you know, do, do a good job doing that way. And if you don't set it up right to begin with, it's exactly. going to be that much harder to, uh, to, to track. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD will have uh, Thomas Sikdesh's one piece of advice for today's Entrepreneur after the break, 7.53. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. And our guests are Thomas Sikdesh of Wipebook and uh, Lauren Broughton. Broughtman is here with us from Full Landau giving us the uh, top five tips, uh, accounting tips and accounting gaffes uh, for good for, for startups. And uh, we're at number three, Lauren. Yeah. And to tell you the truth, you can probably move this one for a lot of the clients that I've seen to the top of the list. When it comes to sales taxes, GST, QST, all kinds of problems all the time, uh, could be very simple things not registering when you're supposed to, maybe registering when you don't really have to, not recording at properly different rates on both sides of the ledger, whether you're selling things, claiming things back that you're not entitled to. I mean, we've seen the gamut of it every which way when it comes to GST and QST. Certain clients, you know, they're collecting these sales taxes on behalf of the government. They're basically an agent of the government and then it comes to the end of the year. This is usually a problem when you only have to file annually, and then it's all of a sudden, what do you mean I have to send that money in, and nothing has been put aside? So that we see a lot of, and until you can kind of go through the process and explain the way it's supposed to work, or if we take care of preparing it ourselves for them, we've seen many problems there. How about number four? Uh, also, it always comes down somehow to the government. So it's payroll and deductions at source. So basically payroll taxes. Um, have they registered for it when they're required to? Have they not? Um, do you actually have employees? Or sometimes with new startups, they just say, well, I hired this guy and I just paid him whatever and didn't deduct anything, but he's an employee. He keeps coming there consistently. Taking money off of paychecks, not remitting it to the government. Same kind of thing as the sales taxes. So all different kinds of things, preparing um, some of the slips at the end of the year that have to be prepared that aren't done or different calculations. You know, we see all kinds of things there that for someone can be very simple. But look, honestly, no, no blame to anybody. If it's something that they're not used to doing, um, it, it's, you know, it's tough for them. As simple as everybody says, you know, I got a company, uh, my company's going to pay for my car. And, you know, at the end of the year, if you don't have something on your T4 for some taxable benefit, well, then the government will surely come and knock in at some point. And the audits are, are certainly, they're becoming far more frequent and nobody likes them, but uh, that's important. So in about five seconds long, our last one before we get to Thomas's one piece of advice. Just seeing different problems with people preparing their personal income tax returns coming in and not putting reporting things properly, actually not claiming what they're entitled to on their personal tax returns can save them a few dollars that way. So that would be number five. Excellent. And Thomas, as we approach the last moment of the show, uh, we turn to you as we do with uh, every entrepreneurial guest and ask you what would be your one piece of advice to today's entrepreneur? 
Well, it's it's pretty simple. I think that um, a lot of people have um, have, a, have a desire to start their own business and to jump into kind of uh, into entrepreneurship. Um, but a lot of times, I think just thinking about a cool idea won't get you anywhere. I think you need to get on the field and create some tangible milestones and actually get traction on the field. Whether you're obvi- offering a service or selling a product, go get direct feedback. S- create tangible goals that you can attain and, and go and, and slowly start it off. I think nothing, we got lucky in, in the sense that we had this, we prepared and we got the success. Um, but um, I think it's it's just a lot of hard work at the beginning. Thank you, Thomas. And Dan, the one very quick point is, as I take my takeaway from this is, don't be afraid to try something new. Thomas exactly. Sikdesh of White Book, thanks for coming in and best thanks of luck. Lot. And uh, Lauren Brotman of Florlando, thanks for the tips as well. Josh will be back next week, Monday night at 7 p.m. Uh, coming up next, it's The Exchange. It's 8 o'clock on CJD.